you know, uh, got to do these things that I could have never done on a teacher's salary. And um, I'll, I'll tell your listeners, um, not everybody's going to retire as a property investor, but one house or two houses or three income properties can change your life. You can get the life uh, that you wanted. You can, you know, uh, buy the things that you want and it provides a little more freedom. Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons or better known as the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on, everyone? It's Ross Nadai. I'm a real estate agent, an investor, and host of the Real Estate Golden Nuggets podcast. I have an amazing episode full of golden nuggets for you. If you like this podcast and gotten any value out of it, please share this far and wide to reach as many people as possible. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. Thank you so much for your support. What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining us for another great episode. I have a, my special guest here, Josh Stevenson. What I'm really excited about today is, is we're going to learn more about the Northern region. A lot of us are now looking at other markets that we can cap into. And I have an excellent investor here who has a portfolio of about 87 units as of today. So very excited to have Josh here on board. Uh, for folks that don't know, know you, Josh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background? Yeah. Uh like, like you said, my name is Josh Stevenson. I'm, uh, I formed a company called Invest North with um, my best friend, Brent Peterson. And uh, we both are married to women named Jessica. So the company <laughs> consists of Josh and Brent and the Jessicas. And um, I've been a property investor for uh, about 14 years. And I, I started in Barrie, Ontario, where I house hacked my first duplex. And... Um, then I moved back to my hometown of Aurelia, Ontario, uh, that I'd been away from uh, for about 20 years. And I, in, in the 20 years that I was away, I went to university in Ottawa. And then I, uh, after university, I, I traveled uh, the world for many years. I, I taught English in Japan, Korea, Taiwan, the Czech Republic. Uh, even Australia, I tried to teach the Australians English, but to no avail. <laughs> no, I'm just wow. actually, I worked in Surfers Paradise, mostly teaching uh, Japanese surfers how to how to speak English and people from Brazil. And um, and then uh, you know, I I took my English teaching money, and I was a tree planter for a while. And then I I got to travel uh, all the places I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And then I came home to Canada, and I opened my own English language school on Queen Street. And uh, I ran it with my wife and uh, my my friend that I opened the company with, uh, Brad Peterson from Invest North, and we taught there. We got shut down by SARS, so everybody left, and uh, I basically lost all my money. Uh, and that that was something that I'd been planning to do for a while, and it had the kind of the rug pulled out from under me. So I became a grade eight teacher, and uh, I went to teachers college, and I decided to get a real job, a regular job. <laughs> Yeah. And then I, I started my career in Barrie, Ontario, about 14 years ago. And I bought my first duplex and I lived in half and I rented out the other half. And I had, um, you know, the people that were living above me 
pay the mortgage and some of the mm-hmm. utilities. And I thought, why isn't anyone, why isn't everybody doing this? Like what, this is not rocket science. And, and then I started reading books about investing and I learned about, you know, the Burr strategy and I, I learned about, um, you know, using other people's money and creative financing. And then I decided uh, to go to a friendlier market, my hometown, which was right. just, you know, uh, 20 miles up the road. And I came to Aurelia after being away for 20 years, as I said earlier. And I started buying up all the properties because, uh, you know, maybe 12 years ago, things were dirt cheap here. And then my best friend uh, moved back to Aurelia and right. he was interested in doing this because he, he had bought an income property in Lethbridge. He'd seen the light over in Alberta. And he said, you know, we should do this together. So we formed Invest North and we started buying all kinds of properties uh, to the north, to in North Bay and Cobalt. Those are other two areas. And uh, to this day, we have uh, 87, pro- well, 87 units. And uh, it's valued at, you know, like 13 to 14 million now. So it's, yeah. it's like kind of a dream come true, but it was a long and winding road. Yeah. Wow. You had some, um, like an, a very interesting journey. I absolutely love it. Like you've, sounds like you've, first of all, traveled pretty much all around the world. Yeah. So, so basically you went to that route and you, you got a position as a, as a teacher, right? So mm-hmm. uh, again, was it, was it like uh, where you got into real estate thinking, you know, what, well, that's the best way to make money because somebody referred it to you or is it something you always were interested? I mean, at what point in time did you say, you know what, I'm going to, because it takes a lot of guts to say, you know what, I'm going to quit my day job or I'm going to go towards this direction, right? Like, was it a, some, some sort of self-interest because of your background and, and uh, you know, meeting other folks or what was the trigger? You know, when, it, when I did start teaching, uh, you know, my wife was raising two little kids and they're, they're bigger now, like Luke's 15 and Ruby's 12. But, uh, you know, she was staying at home because I thought that was important for her to do. And, and, and uh, you know, a teacher's salary isn't very much when you begin. Like, you know, right. after it takes about 11 years to get to the top of the teaching salary grid. And at, at the beginning, they don't pay you very much. So we were struggling. And uh, one day, you know, I, I read a lot of books and I was walking through the library and I saw a book uh, on investing and I, I pulled it out and uh, it was like a revelation. It was like, oh, my God. And it, was, it wasn't a, a very well-known book. It's called uh, uh, Building Wealth One House at a Time. And I, I read like, you know, house hacking and burr strategy and, and right. creative financing. And it, I just thought, this is not rocket science, because I'd never been that interested in finance. I wasn't always interested in the business world. But this was very simplistic. And I will tell your listeners, um, anyone can do this. Anybody with a, a phone and some people skills and some bravery, you can be a property investor. Um, so it was literally a book I showed my wife. And then we put all our money into the, the first duplex, uh, house hacking. And then from there, we, uh, you know, we, we just kept doing it. We, we, equity would build up and we'd buy another one and another one. And, you know, uh, at the beginning, I got a couple small loans from my family, um, you know, and I paid them interest. But I paid them back right away. I paid off my school debts. You know, I, I took my kids to the West Coast, to the East Coast. I took my kids to New York City and we bought a boat for the cottage. and. You know, I uh, got to do these things that I could have never done on a teacher's salary. And um, I'll, I'll tell your listeners, um, not everybody's going to retire as a property investor, but one house or two houses or three income properties can change your life. You can get the life uh, that you wanted. You can, 
you know, uh, buy the things that you want and it provides a little more freedom. And you want to invest in one or two properties. Yeah. Just like you said, it doesn't have to be, you know, this is it. You have to go full guts and quit yeah. the job tomorrow, but it, right. it another income stream. Think of it as a passive income as we usually 100%. describe. Right. So absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a life changer, right? Totally. Uh, you can take, you can do a lot with that. You can pull the equity, you can continue going the portfolio or, Given what's happening now around, especially in Ontario, like your kids will be very happy that you bought them some properties at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds like it'll be out of reach, unfortunately, you know, if this trend continues for the way it is right now, right? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and building this uh, multi-generational wealth makes you sleep better at night as a parent. Um, I feel sorry for these kids that are starting out and these young people that are going to have to put these ridiculous down payments down on homes and you're going to yeah. have, have such a huge salary to even uh, qualify for the mortgage. So I think more and more kids uh, are going to need help from home. And, uh, you know, I lived in Europe for a while and I, I do understand like in a household in, in many parts of Europe, you have three generations living together and houses are, are passed down through the generations. And that's kind of Absolutely. the model that I kind of see replicating in Canada. And, and um it's it's unfortunate because I, I really feel as a Gen Xer, as a guy that, you know, now I'm 47 years old, I, I have been given great opportunities because I got in this uh, when things were affordable and, and things are becoming less affordable. But maybe, just maybe, Ross, I can give people some tips uh, a little later about how they can pick up their first income property. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's, let's mm -hmm. go right ahead with that. I would love to... You know, share some, okay. some of your thoughts and some expertise. For sure. Okay. So first of all, um, you know, I always do buy and hold. Uh, I, I've done like one burr uh, and I, you know, we have 87 units now, but uh, my, my business partner, Brent Peterson and I, we, we buy and hold. So we buy uh, duplexes, triplexes, uh, and we, we buy smaller stuff. So we have like five single family homes, seven duplexes, two triplexes. Right. six fourplexes. Uh, so just smaller stuff like that. You don't have to like buy uh, a 25 unit building or a 50 unit building. Um, yeah. You can start small like that. But uh, we also, you know, we started off when Brent and I started off, we bought distressed properties, so properties that needed some TLC, some uh, tender loving care. And, uh, you know, some of the tenants had to be changed out over time. Most recently up in Kobo, we bought a fourplex for $129,000. And that was less than a year ago. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you go north, and I'm talking north of North Bay, uh, you can get deals. We bought another one, uh, uh, another fourplex for $189,000. And about two and a half months ago, we bought a duplex for $70,000. Um, <laughs> yeah, we paid a guy... Um, 10 grand to fix it up. And he basically rented the place from top to bottom, all in 80 grand. And that thing cash flows uh, $2,200 a month. And we, we keep uh, 1,200 of it. So, oh my God, that exceeds yeah. the 1% rule. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. And yeah, like we, we've bought stuff uh, in Rutherglen, which is a small town um, just east of North Bay. That cash flow is $2,023. Um, in North Bay, there was an Airbnb motel that was being sold and uh, they were just renting it out uh, by the room. And it was, uh, it was 520,000. This was in February of this year. That's right. So we paid the 520 
And, uh, you know, all the tents were gone. We got to set every rent at market rent all at once. And it was amazing. Wow. Um, so rents in North Bay used to be like 700 bucks for a one bedroom. Yep. We were, rent- we're renting them out for, you know, 1100, 1200 bucks. Uh, the two bedroom gets us 1500 bucks. So this, this, uh, Airbnb motel, we turned it into regular apartments and, uh, you know, that guy, uh, cash flows, $2,178 a month. So wow. you got to look for the opportunities up there. There's, there's tons of opportunities. I can't that's, say enough about the North. That's incredible. So, so what attracted you to the North, right? I mean, often or not, you know, people like to go areas that there is, they, they like appreciation, right? That's a huge factor. Right. They feel safe that, you know what? Worst comes to worst, I can sell this off in a few years and get the appreciation factor. What was your strategy in terms of implementing or growing your portfolio? I know you mentioned you did a bit of everything. Sounds like you have a single family, mm. duplex, and oh, yeah. you mentioned you did a burr, but like talk to me about it. like what was the strategy you used and how did you get from say one to now eighty-seven right now, right? Like what, okay. what were some things you used there? Okay. Well, first of all, my business partner, Brent, uh, he is very strict about cash flow. So, <laughs> you know, if it doesn't cash flow right out of the gate, he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So he, he's very sticky. And this guy is the best deal hunter ever. So, you know, we, we bought up all this stuff in Aurelia and then it doubled and tripled in, in value. So we took the money and uh, we looked, we took out a map, right? <laughs> you know, okay, so things, things in Aurelia are too expensive. Where's the next town up the road? Right. It, you know, uh, Muskoka is up the road. Muskoka is cottage country. It's where the, the rich and famous uh, go to cottage uh, when it's too hot in Toronto. So that was a bit too expensive. But there is a city, the biggest city due north of here, straight up the road is called North Bay. Right. And North Bay has about 53,000 people. And a few years ago, uh, they were selling houses for dirt cheap. And uh, what we, we decided to do was take the equity from the Aurelia houses that had doubled and tripled. And one house, if you refinance one house in Aurelia, it got you like three houses. The equity uh, would get you like three houses in North Bay. So we did that. But we also looked at some really um, creative financing. Um, we, we discovered that we could do something called uh, a no money down deal. We, we deal with credit unions now. We started off with conventional banks, right? And conventional banks, right. like there's the big five banks in, in Canada, and they will give you usually about four or five properties, and then they'll tell you uh, to, to piss off. They're like, you got too many properties, you're too much of a liability, take off. Found that credit unions are actually way better lenders. And credit unions, uh, they don't have as strict rules as conventional banks. We've uh, done six no money down deals now. Basically, w- what I do is I approach, I approach the seller. So say somebody's going to sell a building. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, if a building's got some difficult tenants in it or you know if the if the seller is super motivated they will offer you something called a vendor take back mortgage which is mm-hmm. something i'm sure you know about so the vendor take back mortgage is basically the seller lending you the down payment so the first time i did it it was crazy we we bought a, a house off facebook so there was a there was a house in rutherglen ontario it was a little town outside of north bay and this woman on, on Facebook was selling a fourplex. So I, you know, I approached her personally. I said, hey, listen, um, yeah. if you lend me the 20%, um, I will buy your place. And she mm-hmm. said, well, okay. And she had a look at my portfolio and she said, yeah, sounds good to me. So I called the credit union. And they said, all right, let's do it. And uh, she lent us 
and the credit union uh, lent us 80%. And we got like a no money down deal. And we were high five. And we were, our hands were sore from high fiving so much. <laughs> and we said, how oh, yeah. the hell can this happen? How is this possible? That and is all we crazy. had to do was uh, pay closing costs, right? So it's, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. And I, I love that. Yeah. So you, you figure out creative uh, ways to finance your, your deals. And wow, the no money deal is that's unheard of. And I was going to say, yeah. in the GTA, oh, yeah, you'll never get that here. No, no. That's, well, uh, yeah. That was probably maybe like 50 years ago. You could do something like that. But now it's, it's unheard of, right? So, so to talk to yeah. me about the, you know, the, the way I know you mentioned your partner is pretty much uh, the one that's is sourcing these deals. So are you finding these off market or are you buying on MLS? Like what has been the strategy in the acquisition side? We've created something called the deal funnel. And the, the deal funnel is all the deals are funneled to us if we can do it. Um, so we, we kind of cast a wide net. So we become friends with uh, mortgage brokers and realtors and other property investors with larger portfolios and uh, just people interested in real estate in general. So uh, I'd say, you know, a lot of our, I'd say the majority of our deals in the, the beginning were on MLS and you can still find a good deal on MLS. You, you yeah. should never, um, you know, turn your back on MLS. However, the really, really good deals <laughs> are usually off market deals. Yeah. And um, yeah. We have realtors that like working with us. And when they know something, when somebody is about to sell a property, they'll say to you know the seller, hey, listen, do you want to talk to these investors that uh, they know what they're doing? They're going to treat your tenants right. They can offer you uh, some creative financing. And, and this is another pitch that I use. And, and don't tell anybody about this either. But uh, <laughs> the vendor take back mortgage when the seller lends you money, that's a win-win. So basically, uh, what, when the seller sells their building, yeah, uh, they they have to pay something called a big capital gains tax. Like the government says, "Oh, hey, you just you just made a lot of money." That's and right. when you sell your own home, you don't pay capital gains. But when you sell a cottage or an income property, you're dinged, right? So you get Anything a big capital. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So there's a big capital gain to be paid. So if you, for example, if somebody sells you uh, a $500,000 property, but um, you know, they lend you $100,000 for the down payment, they're only paying a capital gain on the $400,000 and the $100,000 is paid back to them over three, four or five years. And right. they save a ton on capital gains because they're not getting all their money all at once, right? Yeah. That's right. So they save on capital gains. They love that. And also they get these monthly payments. So they, they usually, you know, let's say these, the, this person owns the $500,000 property outright. Okay. So they get 400,000, boom, huge uh, amount of money, but yeah. they also get these monthly payments, which is kind of like just extra cash that they can, you know, use for whatever the heck they want. So it, it's really win-win and uh, the sophisticated investors love it. We, we try and Explain to some people. Some people want all their money right at, at once, but a sophisticated investor loves the capital gains angle, and they love being paid month after month for years. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, because my my question is for a lot of folks they don't understand right this this concept of vendor take back. I'm talking about like on the on the seller's perspective, for instance, right? Like you said, many would yeah. be like, "No, I just want my money and I'm out." So how do you go about having that conversation with them or? Uh, educating them on the fact, right? And how it works. Because I, I, I feel majority of folks don't even have a clue that there's another way for them to even, uh, you know, cash flow in a sense, right? Because when they when they are lending to you, they're essentially acting like as a bank, right? So do, 
what are some of the obstacles you've had when you you did had those conversations with some of these sellers? So the the two things that we always hit home on, like if I'm in, if I'm super interesting in, in a building, yeah. I will tell them first of all how much over asking they're going to get, and it's thousands and thousands over asking over the course of the loan. Yeah. And the second thing is I try and work out. I kind of give them a rough approximation of the capital gain. So you know how much over asking they're going to get uh, and the capital gain that they're going to save. And those two things um, in, in combination with the third thing, which is um, our portfolio is, is quite substantial now. And of course, we're going to be good for the loan. All right. And we also uh, signed promissory notes and uh, it's all, it's all basically written by lawyers. So, you know, yeah. If you screw up on the VTB, it's it's like a second mortgage almost. It's like they're gonna they're gonna get their money no matter what. But when they see that you own a bunch of property, or if you have a bunch of equity in in your one home or whatever, they they feel a little more comfortable. They think, oh, well, if these guys default, I'm just gonna get my money here. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that, and that's what it is. They they just want to have a security blanket in case something you know you default, and because they may think you know I don't know you. What 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 happens if you know? I don't get my money now because it's a fear and, yeah. and it's a valid one I would say especially for folks that have been or in the stage where they're retiring right they feel like they just need to take that money park it somewhere else or use it because you know they yeah. worked hard all their life right so for sure uh, for sure so how often do you have the conversation is it uh, so is, is that mainly the uh, the main and butter that you've been using is that the what you've been focused on entirely in terms of using other people's money or using creative financing to scale this successfully yeah, I, I would say tapping equity is has been probably our bread and butter. Uh, secondly, the mo no money down deals have, have been amazing. And thirdly, uh, liquidating my pension. Yeah. And, and yeah. then going back, what was the credit union's name? Who did you reach out to? <laughs> you got to give us the golden nuggets here. Right, so I'll give you a hint. There's the sure. Northern Credit Union. <laughs> okay. There are credit unions everywhere. Uh, yeah. uh, Case Popular is another one. But... Um, you know, that's that's one secret I'm going to keep close to my chest. <laughs> yours, yours to keep. Fair. No, yeah. Worry. And one thing I will tell you, yeah. um, they won't do it with everybody. Like, they, you know, you have to have an existing portfolio. If you have a big house that's got tons of equity, a valuable house, they'd probably entertain that. But sure. it works best for people with, with lots of equity and uh, with a portfolio that they can tap, right? Like they can they could put a blanket mortgage here right. or... You know, you have assets that work as collateral. So that works best for, for those yeah, types. For yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and do they care, just for my audience here uh, that are not too familiar with the credit unions, do they assess properties based on your income? Like, let's just say somebody's self-employed. Do they look at it differently or is it, do they also treat it just like a conventional lender? Like yeah, bank? it depends how you purchase the property. Like uh, when Brent and I started in Invest North, uh, basically we buy everything uh, as a commercial piece of property because we are a numbered corporation and uh, you know, it's not in our personal names. So right. when you, when you buy uh, in a corporation's name, they look, they don't look at you and how much money you make. And I was sick of that over the years, you know, you're always struggling to, yeah. you know, that's why I couldn't quit my job. It's like, can you qualify for the mortgage and, and your debt to income ratio has to be just so, but if you buy, if you open a corporation and you buy things uh, through the commercial department rather than, you know, the, as a private entity like yourself, um, they look at the building, not you. So they look at what's the cash flow of the building, you know, uh, what are the debts compared to the cash flow. So the, another uh, piece of advice that your listeners will take away is um, 
if you continue to buy cash flowing assets like cash flow, That's you right. can keep going. But if you buy a lemon after a lemon, you know, houses that, that have either minuscule cash flow or negative cash flow or not enough cash flow, the, the bank's going to say, you know what? You can't keep going because you don't have enough money. What, how are you going to feel like what happens if something goes wrong? Oh, absolutely. So, I said the same thing even to some of my, my clients uh, on the realtor side that who I help with with uh, purchasing properties. When they ask me, what do you think of this? Or even my partners, like, well, how much renovations? I'm like, the number one advice I can give you is don't think that you're going to be living in there. <laughs> exactly. That's the best advice I can give you because otherwise oh. you're going to over budget and you're going to overspend and over renovate. And that's yeah. not going to go well. It's a rental property. Of course, make it livable, make it nice. But do not make it luxurious, like as if you're going to live in there. You got to get yeah. that, at a, at a, you know, mindset shift. You have to be strategic. That's the best mm -hmm. advice I can give anybody. Uh, because like you said, every penny counts. And yep. I go the same way, the same route. I, I, if, I, if a property is in cash flow, it's a no-no for me from a get-go. I'm not banking yeah. on equity. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, and you know what? You mentioned the 1% rule. That, that has been the golden rule for us. Like truly believe that's how we've been able to build this portfolio so big. You can look at a building like that. Like, yeah. what are the rents and what right. is the price? So my question I also, with that said uh, there, Josh, is, is are you not concerned about appreciation? Because that's another factor folks look into when they are investing in, in a region, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I understand your cash flow like, like, you know, really well. Uh, but the mm -hmm. industry in the north, as we know, it is mainly around mining, right? So they've had closures and so forth, right? So what is your take mm -hmm. on, on, on that as a, as a future growth? I mean, are you not concerned? Like what happens tomorrow if, let's say, for example, all the mining companies close down? Like, are you, what is your plan B or plan C in that sense? <laughs> uh, here's the way I see it, okay? Um, we, when we look at markets like North Bay, um, it has fairly solid uh, market fundamentals. It, it has... Uh, the, the army is up there. there. There was an army base that was quite substantial. Then it kind of, they trimmed it down and that hurt. Uh, there were some mines that closed, but the population has been holding steady at about 52,000, 53,000. Um, last year, U-Haul that rents moving trucks, yep. um, they they do a list of where are most of the moving trucks moving to uh, in, in Ontario or in Canada. In Canada, number one was North Bay. Okay, so people fled the city. And I'll tell you one thing, Ross, I don't think the old rules uh, apply now. I'll tell you why, because people are leaving the city left and right because they can work from home. And I think now that that precedent has been set, yes. people are going to go where they can retire or where they can buy a house that's not a million dollars, or they can have a big backyard or they can be uh, on the water or near the water. That's so right. because of this whole transition um, from COVID, like the, the, the after effects of COVID, you're, you're seeing people in these remote areas from the city yeah. that, that all they need is a decent internet connection. That's our criteria. Like, you know, yes. this town's okay, but how's the internet? <laughs> you know, yeah. Because if the, if the internet's okay, yeah. uh, people will move there and people will, will work there. Um, also, uh, I keep track of a lot of things, but um, the projection for uh, immigration to Canada is 400,000 a year. And, and COVID derailed that, of course. We had major right. interruptions. But uh, when we get back on track, which we're starting to, mm -hmm. the Canadian government is going to have uh, hopefully uh, 400,000 immigrants into Canada, which is, which is a lot for a small country like us. A lot of those people end up in Ontario. 
Yes. And uh, Toronto can't hold them all, right? No. Um, they they have. There's got to be some spillover. Yeah, no, and I love that you mentioned that. I think that that's one of the biggest criteria. And I remember looking at that report that you were talking about from U-Haul, and I saw that too. Yeah. Like, well, that's incredible. And uh, the report was, as as you said, it was for one way. So folks okay. were just, yeah. you know, basically saying, yeah. "I'm out of the city. I'm going there. There's no girl coming back." So yeah. they were moving for yeah. good. And I, you're absolutely right. The the just shift from you know uh, working from home has completely revolutionized every industry, and okay. it's going to stay that. It's, yeah. it's going to stay that way because, um, yes, they're going to be probably some hybrid roles. I'm seeing in the corporate world that they're introducing, but I think for mm -hmm. a lot of folks, they're going to be you know expected to work from home because it just makes things a lot easier. You have the work life balance mm -hmm. and productivity for some folks are really really great. Some are struggling just because of the dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a reason why these guys are now leaving, say, Toronto, uh, to, to, to your point, is because, say, for example, they were living in a condo unit, husband and wife. Now they're both expected to work from home. Now, where are they going to work? Right? They need to <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need some separation. You That's drive correct. In, That's correct. Each other you, you, your home all, all of a sudden has become an office space, and you don't have yeah. the space. So you're then yeah. outside the, uh, the city, and then price points are kind of pushing you away further and further. And so that's, that's, I think that trend is going to continue. I totally agree with you on that. And yes, once immigration comes, that's why I don't, I know everybody asks me, like even for pre-constructions, I get this question a lot. Oh, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? I'm like, honestly, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you. Look at the region, mm -hmm. look at the population growth, and also don't just bank on appreciation. Yes. I want you to go into it thinking, you know what, if this like goes down, let's say you have a market crash, can you afford to close on this deal on your own and live with it for another two years at least? If yeah, they, yeah. Yes, Go for it. If no, put your money somewhere else. Yeah. You know, no, I, that's good advice. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to give the best advice, right? Because like this, again, our community of, of especially investment is, is is big and is very small at the same time. So rep your reputation is everything. I so agree. If you, if you don't stick with your words and if you don't put your money where your mouth is, you're not going to make it far here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Rep yeah. Let's talk about some of the, like, I know we talked a lot of great successes here with you, Josh. I, I just want to mm -hmm. focus on some of the challenges that you face. What, what, what was the biggest challenge you faced so far in your journey? When we started off, uh, we started buying, you know, buildings that, that were kind of not A-class, not B-class, but C-class, right? Because those, those right. are the ones we could afford in the beginning. And, and it comes uh, with a certain type of client, you know, tenant. And I've had lots, lots of uh, difficult um, situations with them, and that puts stress on your home life, right? And and, and your career. So I remember one time I was um, I was at home with my family, and one of my tenants, uh, and I had a, a duplex in Barrie. It was the one I actually started off with. Right. And and the the person downstairs said, "Hey, Josh, uh, you better get up here. Uh, six guys just broke in." to the apartment upstairs and they're ransacking oh. the place. So Ooh. I called the police, I called the police and I said, because I was 30 minutes away, I was like, right. okay, th this sounds like a, a matter for the cops. So the cops got there pretty quickly, the Barry cops, and they, they called me and they said, Josh, there's been a home invasion. And I said, well, that's crazy because there is a couple there that I thought were selling drugs. And then those suspicions were confirmed by the police. And unfortunately they had like a five-year-old child too. But oh, I, wow. I guess like the, the father had stolen drugs from the wrong people and mm -hmm. he got his five buddies and him and six guys kicked the door in and they ransacked the place looking for the drugs. So I, I called, uh, you know, I, after I talked to the, the police, I called around to people, what should I do? What should I do? 
And they said, well, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get the people out. Yeah. And I said, yeah, but the landlord tenant board doesn't really allow for that. So I called the very police, you know, the yeah. guy that gave me his number. And I said, dude, you got, you got to get, they're obviously, you know, selling drugs there. And they said, well, we didn't find any that night. And all we could do was go in and make sure everyone's safe. And he said, we're just run off our feet, Josh. And he said, you know what you should do? You should sit outside your house and you should write down the license plate numbers of the people that come to buy drugs and then bring me the license plate numbers. And I was like, okay, so you want me to do your job for you? Okay. Oh my God. So yeah. I thought, I thought, okay, you know, I'm actually going to do it. So I, I teach all day and then I get in my car, drive to 30 minutes to Barry and I get my dinner and I'd mark uh, essays and tests and I watch people drive in for five <laughs> minutes, buy their drugs, drive out. I'd write down their license plate number. And I did that for uh, three nights. And I had a big list of license plate numbers, right? And I was like, oh, okay. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to get the cops involved. And, uh, you know, like I'm, a, I'm a big guy. I'm like 6'3", 220. So I was like, I'm just going to go talk to him. So I knocked on the door. And the guy answered. And he was all high. And, you know. And I said, hey, listen, buddy. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, you know, I own the place. Treat me with respect. And I said, I've been sitting outside your house, uh, my house rather, for, for three nights. And these are the license plate numbers of all the people that have come here and left. Now, I can either bring this, this list to the cops or you can get the hell out of my building. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I won't turn this over to the cops. And it looks like your friends are not as friendly as you thought they were because you've already had your ass kicked in a home invasion. And I had to put a new door on because it was hoofed in. So, uh, yeah, the guy told me to F off. And I drove home and I was furious. And the next day he called me and he said, I'll be gone next week. <laughs> so he oh, really, wow. he really didn't want me to turn the, that list over to the cops. So, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned you, you've been self-managing this entire time, right? So is, yeah. is that the plan moving forward or is that something you're looking into outsourcing eventually? It's, it's getting too much. Um, so I, I think the plan is we've been talking more and more about property management. Am I ready to let go of this? And and the answer is probably yes, because it is exhausting, <laughs> you know? It's fully exhausting, but I think I'm ready. Yeah, no, I love that you mentioned that. It, it is really, really, really tough. Like people think, you know, uh, as much as we like to say it's passive, it really isn't, uh, especially if oh, you're no. on the active side. Yeah. There is, you get calls all the time. There's all this stuff happening. And it's not, it's just wear and tear damages. And like, unfortunately, do have some surprises, like some of the stories you shared. Uh, Josh, mm. if you don't mind, I, I would love to take take you on on uh, an actual deal. If you did, if you've uh, if you can go through sure. the numbers with us, I just wanted yeah. to illustrate, you know, some of the the properties that you've kind of bird or uh, sure. you know you manage. So if you have an example, I would love to go with some numbers. Uh, and uh, if we can start off, perhaps maybe with with uh, what you purchased it at, and I can just do a sure. little calculation here. Yeah, sure. Um, so let's do. Uh, it's basically it is a really good deal, and we're kind of proud of it. Um, this is like six, it's a six plex, but it's like six single family homes. They're all three bedrooms. They're at, they all right. have finished basements and they're all in really good shape. Yeah. Um, so we bought uh, six, uh, six units and they're all three bedrooms. And we bought that for uh, $800,000. Okay. You know, so that's, and, and this is our most recent deal. Um, and, and this is actually a no money down deal too. So that's wow. maybe something that you're, you're, uh, uh, listeners would be interested in uh, this guy cash flows uh, or not cash flows the, uh, the the net rents the gross income is seven thousand three hundred thirty dollars for yeah each month yeah 
Okay. And and, and uh, vacancy, what do you usually put? I, I usually put about 835. So that's basically an entire month taken off. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're probably a little bit lower. Five, would that be something? Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, I'd say, um, so let's call it 5% delinquency. Perfect, so, perfect. Yeah. And what's the property tax on this? Uh, the property tax is $710 a month. 710 a month. So that's what yeah. is that roughly around? 710. Uh, oh, so eight thousand five twenty. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, are these all separate meters, or are you are you paying for? No. Any- yeah, it is separate meters. So I don't pay uh, hydro or gas on any of these units. It's all the tenants pay this. So that that was also super attractive about this. Perfect. And so, yeah. what's the insurance on this building? Uh, the insurance is where is the insurance? God, I need my glasses. <laughs> five hundred bucks, five hundred bucks a month. Five hundred a month. Okay, so yeah. we're looking at about six thousand a year. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And uh, maintenance? Do you, uh, usually I, I, I calculate oh, about eight uh, percent. Sorry, I usually calculate on eight percent. I'm not sure what you're. I'd what say you five, another five, another five. Sure. Yeah. So we'll go with five for you for your end. So five yeah. percent maintenance. Uh, since you're property managing it yourself, like there's yeah. no fees yeah. involved there. Down okay. the road, down the road. What's yeah, the mortgage yeah. on it? Let's talk about the mortgage. Uh, the mortgage is uh, $2,868 a month because we, we pay a bit more because they're at commercial rates. Got it. $2,868 a month. $68 a month. Wow. Okay. That's still incredible. So, and how much did you put any renovation costs into it? How much? No, all the units are ready to go. They're all, you know, like, you know, when people move out little by little, we will renovate. Yeah. But, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the building. Um, when people move out, we give it a basic reno, and Brent and I do all that too. We we paint and we put new floors right. down if need be. Um, sometimes the kitchen needs a bit of updating, the bathrooms, but we keep it pretty cheap. We keep it, uh, you know, we've got lots of sources for our appliances mm-hmm. called Kijiji. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not going to go to the uh, Leon's. Um, so we, we try and keep the, the cost right down. We use stuff from the yeah. restore if it's quality stuff. So yeah, like, I mean, uh, that that's what we're good at, uh, keeping costs low. And that's how we've been able to um, grow this portfolio to the size it, it's at Absolutely, now. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So based on that, you know, like even with that mortgage of uh, 2,868, looks like you're still cash flowing about $2,462 a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. it, it's nuts. Um, the only other thing, I'm just going to plug in. Uh, yeah, go this, for it this thing here yeah and the, and the only other other thing <laughs> that you you did miss on that deal is the vendor take back mortgage okay that's right that's right you have so, a little bit of difference here yeah so so yeah. what's the the vendor take back on this you said 20% of that yeah so that that mortgage is 66667 so 666 bucks so the, the cash flow does drop uh, but remember i didn't put any money into this deal so everything's gravy right uh, the only thing I'm going to pay is is closing costs on this bad boy, so uh, and land transfer tax. But that that's a small price to pay for getting literally, you know, free building. And <laughs> so infinite returns, yeah, infinite return. And we we've we've done this, uh, yeah, six other times. Uh, and do you, what's the ARV on this, by the way? Like, what if you were to appraise this today, the market? What is it going for? You know, this eight hundred thousand dollar building. We feel that if, if we move some of the tenants out, some of the tenants are paying, you know, like uh, basically 950 bucks for like a, it's like a three bedroom house. Each unit is like a little house, right? Right, right. Uh, we, we feel that if we can turn over two tenants 
you know, that really changes the value of the building and it'll be in the million, it'll be over a million for sure. You know, it's just being around and having contacts in the industry. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. First of all, I think that's the biggest obstacle that we, we have as, uh, as especially new investors is just mm-hmm. trying to connect with folks as, as much as possible, right? Same goes, you know, your network is, you know, your net worth. And that's, that's truly yeah. the fact. I mean, the way to find deals, to, fi- to build a relationship, that's how you scale. And then I'm glad that you're doing that very successfully. Mm-hmm. It's paying off, yeah. Right? yeah, for sure. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Awesome. So other than your, yourself and your, and your business partners, are you doing any other joint ventures with other, other folks or is it primarily zero. Owned by you two? Zero, zero. We do a bit of coaching for free. Um, you know, uh, my nephew is on his sixth house now. Um, okay. So yeah, I, do you know what? And this is another huge accomplishment. Like we, we were able to do this with no joint venture partners. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. All right. We'll go transition to the, the ending of the podcast with uh, sure. some questions. Uh, sure. so for, uh, I know you mentioned you do read it quite a bit. So for, uh, for folks that are interested in picking up some books, whether it could be in real estate related or mindset, what are some books that you can recommend for them? Uh, well, the, the Holy Bible of, uh, real estate investing is rich dad, poor, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Like, I think you should start there. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's about mindset. So I would say, uh, basically, um, a good one for for mindset is uh, the Napoleon Hill book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. That's Think all about your mindset, right? That's right. That's right. Um, there, there's also the guy that used to run um, Rain in Canada, uh, Don Campbell. He's written a lot of very interesting books. Um, yeah. Uh, so there's also a book on joint ventures, if you're into that. I read that. I never did any, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a good blueprint for that. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's so many books out there and, and don't shy away from the online gurus, you know, you're great to, to see and listen to, uh, Matt McKeever. Um, there are the, the bigger pockets guys, you know, that's American, but a lot of it translates, uh, here. My next question is generally around travel. And I know you're a big traveler yourself. So, uh, I mean, obviously we can't travel right now, but once you are able to, where would you go and why? I've never done like um, traveling that requires money. So now that I have some money, I'd like to actually see, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the Coliseum and, and go to Europe. Um, my family's from Germany. Uh, my mother was born in Germany. Yeah. Last but not least, any uh, 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 last minute words for, for the folks, for the audience here? If, if there's one thing that you knew years before you start investing, what, what would that be? Yeah, just uh, enjoy the moment. Like, and, uh, you know, I, I play music. I play the guitar pretty badly, but I don't play the guitar thinking it's going to be amazing when I hit that last note and the song's over. I like playing music for the sake of playing music and and your life should be a a piece of music and you should enjoy those moments with your children or your moments with your friends or the challenges that you have at your your job. And uh, don't look at some far off reward, live in the moment. And and, uh, since I started doing that, my life kind of changed. Love it. Yeah. Work hard, play hard. I think the balance yeah. is very key in life. Well, yeah. thank you so much for, for, for uh, joining us here today. Um, yeah. I mean, for folks that want to connect with you, what's the best way to reach out to you? Probably through my Instagram page, uh, in, investnorth.ca uh, on Instagram. I also have a website, investnorth.ca, same. 
And uh, check out a video, Adventures in Landlording. You'll get a laugh, man. There's some funny videos in there. Enjoy. Yeah, well, thank you yeah. so much. Again, appreciate it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, hopefully next time we connect, I'm, I'm sure we're going to learn even more about the North and see what, what, you, uh, what are you going to be up to in the next uh, few years or so. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you can do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. I love bouncing ideas, people, and I love talking real estate. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a few properties away. Hey.